You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, is simply this. It is Be Transformed. Be transformed. And I'm going to explore a little bit for us of the incredible change that takes place when we are found in Christ. How the Holy Spirit begins to work in us and change and transform us. But before that, I was thinking a little bit about around some of the, the changes um, that we kind of walk through in our everyday life. Maybe some of the, the little details that we might change about ourselves according to an interaction or who we're speaking to or the, the situation we're in. So I was thinking about maybe when we start a new job or you start uh, in a new school or um, maybe um, you've just started university and, and you're meeting those people and because it's a new social setting, you kind of go in best foot forward, right? So you're making sure like you're, um, you're, maybe what you're wearing is pristine. You've set out, you, you've, you've put time at, you think in the morning, what am I going to wear today? What impression is this going to make? Maybe you're out to make some friends, you know? So if you're in the office, you do a tea round. Anyone tea? Anyone tea? <laughs> And, you know, like after the first few months, that starts to subside a little bit maybe. And uh, you just throw anything on because you're used to the people that you're around. You're a bit more comfortable. And uh, my most recent experience of this was with our wonderful worship pastor, uh, Mark Beswick. And uh, Mark is, is the newest um, staff member here at CLM. And uh, his desk is right next to mine. And uh, the thing I love about Mark, right, is I'm talking about changing according to where you are in your job. Mark does not change. Okay, so I've learned about Mark. Okay, and um, Mark has took it upon himself, right? So usually, like, you, maybe you're new in an office, you don't want to make much noise, okay? And uh, Mark, from day one, okay, has taken on not just worship pastor, but office DJ, all right? So uh, obviously, he's, he's a worship pastor. So when I say office DJ, right, it's all banging worship tunes, okay? He's not um, playing the, the, the top 20. Um, but he has took it upon himself. But the thing I love about Mark, what's so special about his DJing skills, um, he's got this speaker. If you ever see Mark, he carries this speaker around with him sometimes. Anyone on worship teams knows this, right? And you'll see him with this speaker. But Mark, like, he, he'll go to a two-hour meeting, and he will leave his playlist on shuffle, blasting out, and he'll leave the room with his music still playing. Okay, so whether I want it or not, it is there. Okay, and the thing is, I'm a worshiper, so there'll be moments, you know, it's just a, it's not like a song that you can even work to. It's a song that you like, you're touched. I'm having a worship encounter. Mark's in a meeting. I'm, I'm gone. Mark doesn't change. I love that. I love that. Some of us, we, we change some other things in our interactions, right? Um, how many of us here, we have a phone voice? You put on a different voice when you answer the phone. Yeah, the rest of you, you just don't know it. You do have a phone voice, okay? Or you're lying, okay? Um, the best phone voice, the best phone voice I've heard. I'm not just here to call out all the people in the, the CLM office. Um, but the best phone voice I've ever heard actually belongs to uh, Mr. AJ here on the front row. The man that did our notices, he's got a beautiful voice. And uh, he's actually from Northern Ireland. But you would never know that when AJ answers the phone. So, like, you, you know, he's just, the, the phone will ring. AJ could be in a normal conversation. And then the atmosphere in the office shifts. AJ picks up the phone. Okay. And uh, we call him AJ. But he's like, hello. No, I'm not. <laughs> That's poor. <laughs> He sounds more girly than he really is as well. It's, it's a really manly voice. Hello. No, it's not. But honestly, like, I can't, I'm not going to try and do it. But he has a lovely phone voice. I'm like, I listen, I think, I wish my voice could be like that on the phone. 
And uh, let me just say, okay, if you want to experience this, if you are having a bad week this week, just give CLM a call, ask for AJ, he will answer the phone, your life will be changed forever, okay? AJ is brilliant. You know, um, some of us, we, we have those little phone voices, things like that that we do. Uh, like, if you're on social media, you'll have seen, like, Transformation Tuesday, right? Transformation Tuesday, anyone seen that? Anyone been involved? There's, like, Glow Up, 10-year challenge, these sorts of things. And people, what they do is post a picture of themselves, like, back in the day. You choose the most deadbeat picture of yourself. And then you choose, like, a penguin from now. You're like, oh. And uh, I was looking at this thinking, wow, these people look amazing. So good. Hashtag Transformation Tuesday. Hashtag 10-year challenge. Like, it's meant to be a glow up. I thought, man, I look better when I was 12 than I do right now. How can people be doing this? I'd post my picture. People would be, like, commenting, like, keep going, Luke. Keep trying. Go for it. <laughs> like, the Lord's doing the work. Yeah, it's fine. So we have those sorts of things as well. And, and a really a, a big time of transformation in my life was when I went away. So I lived in another country for just under a year and a half. I lived in Singapore. Okay, so Singapore is an incredible place, but obviously it's got a different culture to the UK. I grew up here in the UK, um, and I'd, I'd just been immersed into a different environment. And one of the things that I began to see, one of the, the, the mindset shifts that I had was like something really high on the agenda of uh, in an Asian culture is, is honor, okay, and, and expressions of honor. And one of those that I'd often heard but never really understood was like referring to your elders as auntie and uncle, okay? And like, I know that's big in Asia. I know it's big in African culture, right? Yeah, auntie, uncle, okay? And um, so like it was a thing there. You, it's something that you do to respect your elders and something like, like, God got my heart, and I was like, this is beautiful. It's a great way to respect it. But what I began to understand even more is that actually it's a brilliant way to cover up for when you don't remember people's names. <laughs> yeah, I know all of you guys. Auntie, uncle, and pasta. You just drop pasta around on everyone. If it's not pasta, it's brother, sister. <laughs> great to see you. But like, I, like, before I went to Asia, I never, and I was immersed in it, I never really understood it, right? Like, I was, I've been around at this church since I was like 12, 11 or 12. Some of my friends would be like walking through church and be like, hi, auntie, hi, uncle. Like, not just to two people, though, like to 15 people. I was like, bro, how many aunties and uncles have you got? And I was like, I'm not the most cultured guy, but like, I know you're from Kenya and he's from Nigeria. Like, how are you related? What is going on? But it's a way to show honor and respect. And this was something that began to be changed, be transformed in my life, the way that I saw this and the way that I perceived it because I was in a different environment. And you know, I've used some trivial examples, but actually during my time away, there was a deep change and transformation. And the truth is that some environments and encounters that we have in life bring about a deep change in our life. You know, we, we will see a marked difference. But the truth is, the truth that I want us to catch today and help us understand that there should be no more of a marked difference in our lives than when we meet Jesus Christ. The greatest change and transformation should take place and will take place and can take place when we encounter Christ as Lord. Why? Because never has our situation or never will it be any different to how it was before and after Jesus Christ. You know, if we read in Ephesians, it helps give us the clearest picture. But basically, it says that before Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as Lord, you are dead in transgressions. That means physically you might be alive, but spiritually you are dead. Spiritually, there's hopelessness and a void. There is despair. 
Maybe there's momentary hope. But after Jesus Christ, knowing Jesus Christ in him, the situation changes because the Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us that we've been brought from death into life, from despair into hope. I love it. The Bible talks about I can throw off my garment of despair and put on a garment of praise. Why? Because I know the living God. Because my circumstance has drastically changed. And I want us to have a little bit of a look at this today. I want to explore the transformation of Jesus Christ that we find for all believers. So if you could turn with me to my text today, I'm reading from Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, some really popular verses. If you've got a a Bible or a device, I encourage you to turn there. If you don't, don't worry, it'll be shown on the screen. Fantastic. Allow me to read for us this morning, this afternoon, wherever we are. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, we read these verses here, and and for me, these verses come in one of the most beautiful twists of all of Scripture, Because actually, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, a Christian community in Rome, and he impacts in a a profound and tremendous way the realities of the gospel for 11 chapters. If you've never read through Romans, give it a read. There is some big, hard-hitting things in there, talking about the depravity of man, how we're broken and fallen apart from him, but how his grace, how his love has been demonstrated for us with Jesus on the cross. And then we come. After all of this unpacking by Paul, he comes to this twist in verse 1 of chapter 12. He says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, therefore, because of what Jesus did for you, therefore, because of what we celebrated on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday, because of all of that, what is our appropriate response? It is to live your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. The truth is, church, that that is our only appropriate response to Jesus. To the life giving and transforming power that changes our everything. Our only response can be, Lord, everything I am and everything I have is worship to you. This is our response to his mercy. A complete change of standing before God as he calls us his sons and calls us his daughters, as he calls us holy, he then calls us to live in such a way. He says, be transformed so these truths that I sing over you, these truths that I speak over you as being my sons and my daughters, as being holy, I give you the same power and the same grace to live and work and outwork that so that you might be transformed from this truth and walk it in a reality. Does that make sense? So that we can walk as his children. We can walk as a holy people. Transformation in Jesus is looking more and more like Jesus every day. You know, transformation in Christ isn't a side add-on to the gospel. Romans 8, 29 tells us that God is conforming us to the image of his son. So those that are in Christ 
The good news is that God is already at work transforming you to look more and more like Jesus every day. If only you will let him. It's part of God's salvation plan, giving us back our worth, back our significance, back our acceptance, back our security in him. Life transformation isn't an optional extra. It's our only appropriate response. And I want to have a look at what that looks like from this passage today. But before I do that, I'd like to invite up Lewis, um, who's going to come and share with us how Jesus is transforming his life. So why don't we give Lewis a massive round of applause as he comes today. Fantastic, Lewis. Firstly, do you want to tell us who you are and what you're currently doing in life? So I'm Lewis. Um, I'm currently a third-year student or fourth-year student at Coventry University studying sociology. I finish in a couple weeks, which uh, feels pretty crazy. Um, you can tell I've got a bit of an accent, so I'm not from Cov. I'm actually from a place called Ipswich, which is like a small town a couple of hours away um, from here. It's like on the southeast. If you've never been, don't go. <laughs> there's, there's nothing good there. And, um, yeah, I've been coming to CLM um, since September, so I got a sign from God to come last year, and since then my walk with God has just taken off. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. And uh, I'm not going to ask you any more questions, given a little introduction, but I, I just want you to be able to share your story with the people about what God has done and what he's doing in your life. Right. Thank you. Um, so I'll just briefly speak about how I got introduced to God. So um, I wasn't raised a Christian at all. I was never taken to church. And as a result, I grew up an atheist and really strong atheist at that. I had a real intolerance for God and Jesus, even though I didn't really know anything about him. So how I got introduced to him was my, uh, my best friend started following Christianity when he started uni. And he, would, he, would, he began to share the gospel with me and share his testimonies with me. And that's what really started to get through, his testimonies, because he wasn't, he wasn't talking about a belief or what he thought he was telling me, what had actually been happening to him. And that's what really started to get through to me and make me doubt essentially what I'd had faith in. So um, it was July 2016, just under three years ago, that I came to the realization that God was real. And that was, uh, that was a big moment. And it felt quite strange because a couple months prior to that, I'd had really strong atheist beliefs. So it was just completely turned around. But um, up until that point, I'd been living life in the world. So when you live life in the world, you're, you're not under any guidelines. You don't follow any values. So at that point in my life, I was taking class A drugs. I was drinking. I was smoking. And these are all things that I really enjoyed. Essentially, this is what I used to turn to for my enjoyment. And I knew that if I followed God, I would have to let them go. And I didn't want, that. I didn't want to let them go. So over the next year and a half, um, I had to go through a process of coming out of the world. And that was honestly the toughest time of my life. And in that time, I chased after the world. You know, I chased after drugs, drink. Um, and I essentially went down a pathway of self-destruction. Um, and I got to the end of 2017, and I was like, okay, I've got two options. I can either keep going down this path and end up with depression, or I can follow Christ because that's what I believe in, and I, you know, I'd seen evidence of him in my life. So I've been following um, God since the start of January 2018, and the transformation he's done in my life still blows my mind. It's just uh, incredible. Um, but I think, yeah, one thing that I'd say about the world was what Luke uh, mentioned from Ephesians is, you know, before you're born again, you're alive in the flesh, but you're dead in the spirit. Essentially, you're dead inside. And I distinctly remember uh, about two years ago, coming towards the end of my second year at uni, I was smoking so much weed. And it was like I was alive in the flesh, but I felt so dead, 
so dead inside. I, I wasn't functioning properly. I, my brain wasn't working at all. Um, and I honestly felt like a zombie. And when I compare that to now, the contrast is it just it's so strong, you know, because it was, it was as if the things that I was putting into my body were literally causing death within me. And I've come to Christ and he's just wiped it clean and literally breathed his life into me. Um, but yeah, another thing um, which I had to sort of realize when I actually made the decision to take my walk with God seriously. So I was, I was 21 when I made that decision. Um, and life didn't get easier when I first started following God. Because up until that point, I'd just been conforming to the norms of society. And now I'd come to God. And obviously, his ways are higher than ours. They're different to ours. So I essentially, at the age of 21, had to learn a new way of life. And that was tough. And when you're new at something, you, you know, you're not good. You mess up. And in the last year and four months, you know, I've made bad decisions, wrong decisions, decisions that have not glorified God, but in those times, I've, I've had to come back to him and ask for forgiveness, ask for guidance and say, God, please guide me out of this situation, you know. I've caused this mess, now please get me out of it. And it's through that that I've really seen the true grace and mercy of Christ. And it is, yeah, he's just humbled my heart so much. Um, but the final point I want to make about transformation, and probably the most important point, is that transformation doesn't happen overnight. You know, I have friends in my life who who have said to me, like, oh, you know, I've prayed a prayer before and, and nothing's happened. It's like, your whole life isn't just going to change in one night after one prayer. You have to seek it. And that can be tough, you know. So if there's, if there's anyone here today who's new to church, doesn't know Christ or is skeptical, you know, I can relate to your mindset because a Christian, you know, the Christian life isn't hyped up to be all that because we live in a culture where the world is glorified and not Christ. But believe me, I've tried and tested it. There's no glory in the world. There's glory in Christ. Amen. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just seek it. Fantastic. And, yeah. So, so good. Can we give Lewis another massive round of applause? Amazing. You know, how many of us know Jesus is still in the business of transforming lives? Amen. You know, he's, he's changed the narrative of my, my family's story. He's changed my life forever and he continues to change my life. And uh, thank you, Lewis, for, for sharing so candidly. I, I love to see the journey that Lewis is on, you know, the fire in his heart, the passion for God, because he has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And he believes that he will see the goodness of God in the land of the living right here, right now, that he can experience him. He's bigger than any high that the world could ever offer us. He is our portion. He is our point of contentment because the world offers us things that it could never fulfill. You know, it, it, it shouts loud and offers big, but gives us very little. And the truth is we can know and have what we need in Jesus Christ. And, and I want to explore our response to that a little bit deeper today, really quickly. Some truths from these verses that I want to pull. I want us to ask this question, what is transformation in Christ? You know, we've heard a little bit, a few examples, a little bit from Lewis but I want us to ask this question so that we can know what it looks like and ask ourselves, am I allowing God to transform my life? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to work deep in my heart and bring about this transformation? So firstly, transformation in Christ is countercultural. Say that with me. Transformation in Christ is countercultural. 
That's probably the biggest word I've ever had as a point. It's an impressive word, isn't it? <laughs> but verse 2, when we come to the scripture, tells us how we can carry out the sweeping demand of offering our lives as a living sacrifice. And it comes by firstly saying, do not conform to the pattern of the world. It's saying that there is a pattern and a way that the world will follow, that society will go to. But your duty as a believer, your call as a believer is so much higher to say, I will not bow the knee to the things of the world. I have met and encountered something so much greater. God is calling us to be transformed, to live as Jesus did. And he was so, he walked in a way, loved in a way and spoke in a way that was so against the grain of that culture. He loved in a way that blows people's minds. He forgave in a way. He gave in a way. He served in a way that was so against the cultural norms. And our call as believers is to live in such a way. That's what it means to be counterculture, to go against the ebb and flow of society. When the world screams at you to live one way, you say, no, I'm called to live differently. And you know, a way that I, I, I really helped me think of this was um, a t-shirt my dad got, okay? And um, my dad, he had uh, an incredible encounter with Jesus, and uh, his life was radically changed. <clears throat> so much was going on, and so he was passionate for Jesus. You know, you just meet those people, like he was, he was there. If you spoke to him for a minute, he'd talk to you about Jesus. And uh, we were away, and I thank God for that. Incredible, incredible man of God. He was here in the first service. If you ever get to meet him, he's great, okay? And um, we... We went away, to, I think it was Spring Harvest, somewhere like that, and it was a, a number of years ago. And uh, how many of us remember the phase in time where, like, Christian T-shirts with, like, nice little saying were, were the big thing? Anyone remember that? You could go away to some camps, church camps. You could get a T-shirt printed. And my dad got one in particular that you may have seen. And um, basically, there was a whole lot of Nemo-looking fish swimming one way on this T-shirt. Okay, and then there was a Christian fish. Okay, you know the little Christian fish, you know what I mean? And this Christian fish had sunglasses on, right? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> just at this moment, interject, like, as a 14-year-old, as a I think it was, like, it was painful having my dad wear this T-shirt. Like, in your teenage years, like, parents are just painful anyway, right? I, it's fine, it's fine. But, like, my, seeing my dad wear this, I was like, I'm walking, like, half a mile behind. Anyway... As I came to know the Lord properly, I understood the power of what this shirt was communicating, okay? So it's got all these fish swimming one way, Christian fish swimming the other, and at the bottom, the caption is, don't go with the flow. Don't go with the flow. My dad wore this with pride, man. He loved it. He was like, yeah. My dad actually walks a little bit like that, and uh, he does, if you know him. And um, like, my, my dad was showing this because he had been in the world, and he had understood that the world does have a tide and has a current. And if you let it, the world will drag you along for a ride. And it will strip you of everything you have. It will take your joy. It will steal what the Lord has placed inside of you. You will question your identity. And you will go along with the flow. But the call as believers is to live counter that culture and to not go with the flow. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't go with the flow. You know the... The strength of this current, you know, the strength of the world and the pull of the flow is strong, church. It's why every day I have to come to his word and say, Lord, who do you say I am? 
Lord, how do you say that I should live? I have to come and be with other Christians. I have to stand with my brothers and sisters and say, I need prayer for this today. I, 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 I need help in this because there's, there's part of my old life that's knocking on my door today. And I'm struggling. It, it, it means that it might be late at night and I might give a brother a call and say, Lord, I, I need you to pray for me. Because the culture I lived in for so long is knocking at my door today. For some of us, maybe we just need to get in a habit of devotion. Because the world has spoken to us for so long. The only way that we can live counterculture is to step into walking into a kingdom culture. A way that is higher, a kingdom of love and sincerity and one of integrity, the one of our saviour. But how do we know what that kingdom looks like? How do we know what our king likes, what he loves, what he delights in? We know through his word. Get into that. I, I encourage you, if you're not in a life group where you're being edified and encouraged and strengthened by other brothers and sisters, get in a life group. We need to be in spaces where we're being encouraged because a few days out of it, believe me, guys, the world will start to take you along. The flow of the world will capture you. I don't know if you've been alive enough or walked long enough with Jesus to experience that, but it's true. And if you're not in Christ today, let me tell you that no matter how far along you think you've gone in the current and the flow of the world, Jesus can draw you out of it in a moment. He can take you out of it in a moment. You know, Lewis was speaking about how he's walked in a certain way for 21 years of his life and he's had to learn a new way of life. But the Bible teaches us in, in Titus 2, it says the same grace that has saved us is the same grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So the same grace that has pulled Lewis from the miry clay and set his feet upon a solid rock is the same grace that will teach him every day in the way that he wants him to walk. And when he stumbles and falls, has he got an angry father looking at him? No, he's got a father that will run to him and embrace him. It's the same with you today. If you're sat here feeling like rubbish, feeling I haven't lived, I've lived in the way of the world. Let me tell you, that is not what God wants for your life. But if you run to him today, he will meet you right there. He will embrace you. That is the God that we serve. Transformation in Christ is countercultural. It causes us to live in a way that is different. Culture, you know, might say, pursue the world, pursue money, pursue riches, maybe even mask it with academia. But, but the question I want to ask you is, what will you say? You know, culture might say, listen, it's fine to watch porn. It's fine to sleep around. It's just sex. It's only natural. But what will you say to that? You know, the world will say, listen, if you don't meet this level of academia, if you don't do this, then you are worth less. But my, my God doesn't say that about me. So the question is, what will I say? What will I do? Will I, will I mask my, my real life and my thoughts, my feelings out of fear and pride because I'm trying to meet their standards and not live in according to his? The world's standards are... are are too high of a bar because it's false. We come back to our God and I come to him and I find grace and mercy for every single day. His standards are so much higher, but his spirit is there to lead me on and draw me on. Culture will say church is unnecessary. 
prioritize your studies or your career. In fact, twice a year is fine. But we're exhorted in the word, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So what will we say? Because transformation in Jesus Christ is countercultural. It says no to the lies that the world perpetuates and says, I want to live in your truth. I want to be a man of God's truth. Not only is transformation in Christ countercultural, but my second point today is that it is continual. As Lewis has alluded to, transformation in Christ is a daily decision to venture on and enter into the life-changing work of God. It is me every morning saying, Lord, do what you want to do through me today. I need your grace for today. I have to run to him each and every day because I'm about to step into a world whose values and what they appreciate is so different to what my God says. We see this from the way that Paul positions this transformation. Firstly, Paul is writing to a Christian community in Rome. And he is not saying, renew your mind and be transformed. Voila, job done. He is saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we've got two ongoing actions here, the renewal and transformation. You know, we can say, my life has been radically transformed by Jesus, but it is still under transformation. He loves you right where you are. Get this. He loves you right where you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you there. He wants to draw you on. If you, if you start to understand the ways of God as trying to box your life in, you've missed it. You've missed it. Some of you here think it, it's a set of rules and regulations because the world has so blinkered your sight that the way you see Christianity is a weight around your neck. But that's not the way of the gospel. God's way is actually to bring you into a life that you could have never had on your own. To know fulfillment like you've never known before. To know peace like you've never known before. I struggled so much with this as a teenager because the world was shouting so loud at me. My friends, they all seemed to be having a great time. And I went there and I was like, it's not really that great. I got involved in some things and I was like, am I going to do this for the next 40 years? Am I going to you know, get married, get a great job, have a few kids, get a nice car, and die. Is that all there is to my life? And you think, well, yeah, that's all there is to life. And if you just, if you come to Jesus, you just got a few more rules added on, so you can't have a good time. But that's not the truth of the gospel, church. It's an everyday grace to say, there's a higher way to live. I'm bringing you into an abundant life, a place of space, a place where you can live free from the chains of sin, free from the chains of condemnation, free to forgive others. This is the life of Jesus Christ. And every day we can choose that. You know, your desire to change church, though, must be stronger than your desire to remain the same. If you're in here today and think, you know what, I'm happy where you are, well, I, I feel for you. Because until I see him and I am like him, I know that each and every day there is more work for God to be doing in my life. I'm not up here because I'm perfect. I'm far from it. But is my life surrendered to the working of the Holy Spirit so that I might be transformed? Yes, it is. Because I know 
That is where the life is, church. That is where the life is, whether you're an old man or a young man here today, a young woman or an older woman. Listen, you can step in this today. It's not too late. You might think, I've walked so much of my life and I've missed out on this. Don't let that hold you back from coming in and stepping into this life. God wants to make something beautiful from our lives. And he does this through his transforming work. The final point that I want to make today is that transformation in Jesus Christ is a complete work. Now, what do I mean that? Is that going back on what I've just said? When I say transformation in Christ is a complete work, I mean that it is truly comprehensive. It is a mind, body, soul transformation. How do we know this from the passage? Well, Paul writes, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, does this mean that God only cares about your internal thought life and and your heart? No. He's saying because from this place of being, from your changed values and principles, I want to see an overflow of love. I don't want to see it the other way around. I don't want you to just worship because you're told to. I don't want you to just raise your hands because you're told to. I want to see a manifestation of an inwards confession of a life that is changed, of a heart that has been transformed. I lift my hands, I worship him because I've encountered Jesus. I've known his love, I've known his joy. And he wants that for you too. As I draw to a close today, I'm going to invite the band up with me. We know that Paul talks about a renewing of the mind because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Out of the overflow of the heart, I will act, I will speak, I will think. You know, it's only religion when it's the other way around. When I begin to talk in a certain way or act in a certain way because I want your perception of me to be a certain way. But Jesus, he frees us from that. He says, my transformation is so much deeper. You know, we can have the mind of Christ. We can come to him and say, Lord, I don't want to walk in falseness. I don't want to walk in false humility. I don't want to walk in false worship. But God, I I need you to change my heart. The truth of scripture is man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the, he looks at the heart, church. He sees your heart. You might be looking great and glittery on the outside, but believe me, that is not God's primary concern. He wants you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he wants to free us from some of the mindsets that maybe cling to us today. And he wants to free us to freely worship, to freely serve, to freely give. This transformation is deep and it is a complete work. Church, are you letting God transform your life? Are you allowing his word to renew your mind? Or are you living with behaviors that mask actually a a messy thought life and, and a darkened heart? But today, you know, the truth is that you can be free from that. Let his word shape our world. Let us be transformed by our wonderful Savior. I wonder if I could pray for us today as we bow our heads and close our eyes.
God did not come, church, to just give us eternal life, but a life transformed right now for your good and for his glory. And today we've heard what that transformation is. And I just want to give us a moment to let the Holy Spirit search our hearts and then give us a chance to respond to his word today. Ask yourselves, am I allowing God to transform my life in this way? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to work and bring about this transformation? There are three groups of people that I, I really want to pray for today. And it's just based on the points that I want to live. Firstly, for those of us that know, maybe we've walked in the world for some time and we've given our lives to Jesus, but there are some things in our life that still go along with the flow of culture. You've got one foot in the world, one foot in him, and, and you say, today, Lord, I, I, I want to respond because I need you. I need your grace to teach me the way. If you want to live for a kingdom culture today, and if that is you, I'm just going to invite you to stand all across this place. Give you a few moments. Thank you. heads bowed and eyes closed still, I, I want to invite those that today you know that you need to make a daily decision to allow God to transform your lives. Maybe you've had an absence of devotional life. You feel a passion on a Sunday, but the alarm goes on a Monday and, and something seems to have shifted, something seems to have gone and, and there's a disparity between your Sundays and your Monday to Friday. But today you say, God, I, I want to pursue you each and every day. I pray that you would show me the way. I pray that your transformation would be a continual process. And I wonder if that's you, if, if you would stand with those that have already responded. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A few more moments for those that want to respond to that. Finally, some of us here today, you hear me speak of complete transformation and you know that, that in a sense, maybe some of yours has been in part because you might be here and you seem to run through the motions very well, but actually you feel your heart is distant from God. But today you want to respond to God and say, Lord, renew my mind. Break this yoke that is on my shoulders of feeling obliged to live a certain way when my heart is so distant from you. Bring complete transformation in my life. And for the final group, if that's you, I just want to invite you to stand. Thank you all across this place. Allow me to pray for us this afternoon. If you've responded, I just want to invite you to maybe open your hands out to receive from God today. Father, I thank you for the powerful work on the cross. I thank you, Lord, the cross 
is our victory. And that on the cross, you broke the power of sin and of shame. And I pray for those right now that are feeling burdened or overcome by the weight of their sin and the weight of their shame. We release that right now in Jesus' name. Father, I speak a strength and a freedom to stop against the tide of this world and to live in a kingdom culture, to live in a higher way. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come upon each and every one that has responded today? Would you fill them afresh with you? Would you fill them with strength and empower them to be your witnesses in the way that they live, in the way that they speak? Lord, I pray, Lord, where devotional life is lacking, Lord, I pray, Lord, it wouldn't feel like an obligation, but it would feel like I I can finally get to be with you. I can sit before you in your word because you are my life and my sustenance. Lord, I pray for this renewal of mind right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for those that maybe have been walking in a way that seems fine but are so distant from you in their heart. Lord, I pray for a change of heart right now. I pray, Lord, that you would be their first and their last. I pray, Lord, that they would say, Lord, I'm going to seek your kingdom and your righteousness, not just in the public space, but in the private place. Lord, I pray that you would continue to shift and work in our hearts and minds. Lord, we want to look more like you, Jesus. We want to love like you. We want to forgive like you, Jesus. We pray, would you fill us again? In your mighty name, Lord. Amen. 